Hello all you seekers, explorers and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lampke. Do you feel like th- things are holding you back in life? That things are just not moving in the direction that you wish for them to? For anyone who's studied uh, manifestation techniques and the law of attraction will understand uh, some of this but do we actually understand what it is that's holding us back as opposed to what steps we need to take in order to move forward uh, so today we're going to talk about blocks and how we choose to hold on to things that block us from uh, moving forward in life and to manifest that w- which we uh, desire in life blocks are basically anything that we perceive from our experiences that are anything but uh, growth and learning so we want to shift that and that's what we do with uh, manifestation techniques is to shift that into our advantage into learning into growing as opposed to suffering from it and being in a state of victimhood and as always with these uh, conversations uh, our aim is for you to come out of it asking yourself some big questions and start looking reflecting back on yourself and see how you may be able to use some of these uh, uh, concepts for your own advantage. So let's see what new angles and perspectives you might get out of uh, today's discussion and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Enjoy! Don't let mental blocks control you. Set yourself free, confront your fear and turn the mental blocks into building blocks. This comes from uh, Dr. Pling's book, Words to Inspire the Winner in You. Now, when we are looking at blockages, mental or energetic blockages, um, they are the things or the, the, the energies that prevent us from doing what we might desire to do. And oftentimes it's what we kind of, when we start shifting our mind and we want to pursue a different path or something like that, and we start realizing that we have these blockages that exist within us that are holding us back from doing what we want to do. Um, it could be holding us back from manifesting our the reality that we foresee, um, whatever it may be. Um, or it could be cognitive uh, biases that we've grown up with and so forth, our mental blockages. Uh, now, these blockages can be uh, both conscious and subconscious. Of course, if they're subconscious, they're far more difficult to uh, identify. Uh, but the main cat or the main thing to look at when we're looking at, at blockages is that they they do prevent flow and the flow state as described by uh, uh, the the, uh, psychotherapist psychologist who kind of minted the uh, concept uh, mihai is chicks and mihai is when we are in that perfect state mental state where everything feels easy everything just flows right Uh, and we can be in the flow state at different times during the day short periods or we can be there during a longer period if we're working on a project that we really enjoy and that we're really challenged by and we're feeling there's progress and so forth then we can be in that flow state 
we are prevented from entering into a flow state because of these blockages that we may have. And those blocks are essentially perceptions of our limitations. Uh, whether we are aware of them or not, they are within us. And persistent blocks will cause patterns and habits, uh, both in our conscious mind as well as our subconscious mind. Now, even if they are in our conscious mind, we may prevent ourselves from, from seeing them. So we might have uh, a point of view, uh, say a political point of view, um, Say we uh, don't. We want to say we have a, a political point of view that we should uh, lower immigration, right? Now that uh, is obviously in our conscious mind, but that point of view and that belief system might prevent us from uh, experiencing empathy towards others. So that's blocking us in progressing as a human being in that respect. Uh, now, I'm not saying that, you know, all people that are uh, on a lower immigration are uh, not empathetic. Uh, just as an example, it's, uh, it could be one of those situations. Um, and this is not certainly not passing judgment in any way, just showcasing how uh, conscious uh, attitude or conscious belief uh, can create a blockage within us. Um, and it's something we are, these conscious blockages, uh, we are fully aware of them. We are fully aware of our belief system, but at the same time, we are kind of held back by them, but we don't want to change because it's what we know. So there is the cognitive bias, which is called loss aversion here, uh, that is preventing us from uh, uh, kind of moving ahead and moving past the blockage. So what actually causes us to uh, have these blockages? So according to, if you look at someone like uh, Carl Rogers, for example, uh, he believes that when we are born, we are pure in terms of our uh, experiences and our mental faculties. Uh, so we, we, he refers to it as our org organismic selves. That's when we are, we're kind of one with ourselves at that time. And then it's all our different experiences that then kind of creates this uh, incongruency within us. Congruency, that's the word I was looking for. Um, so it's essentially our perception of external locus of evaluation. And with that, I mean, when we are children and we look at the way other people are responding to us and the, in what we do and what we don't do, uh, we create a perception of what people think about us. And that becomes part of our quote unquote law uh, or, you know, truth or authenticity. So I tend to use the uh, case of the child spilling a glass of juice or milk or water or whatever. Uh, 
and the parent who's stressed out in the morning trying to get the kids off to school says, oh my God, why do you always have to be so clumsy? Uh, the adult reacts from their uh, core wounding, right? Because they just blurt out this statement. A, it's not true. Perhaps the, the kid is not always uh, clumsy. And B, kids are still learning to, you know, dexterity and so forth. So it has nothing to do with the clumsiness. But because the parent is trying to highlight something to the child, does it in a way that comes across as being or being confrontational. Now, the child receiving that might think a lot of different things. A, it might not think anything at all. So it just uh, kind of swipes it away. But most of the time, there is going to be that feeling within the child that they are going to create a, a perception of what the parent thinks of them. It could be that they can't, the kid can't do anything right. Uh, they need to do things perfect, otherwise they can't be loved, whatever it is. And uh, as many of you have heard me say before, when until you're about 10 years old, you don't have the idea, you don't have an understanding of original thought. So if I'm the child and I'm thinking, oh, I can't do anything right, then I think everybody else has the exact same thought. I don't understand that that thought belongs to me and my parent, I don't have the analytical power to say, oh, yeah, my parents stressed out and got annoyed that I spilled this cup of juice and now they have to clean it up. So they're, they're just reacting from their core wounding and they don't actually mean that I'm not good enough. Because So for me as a child, that then becomes a rule that if I'm clumsy, I'm not good enough. Or uh, if I... If I'm going to be anybody's going to love me, I have to do things perfectly, right? It could be a number of other different thoughts that I had, but that's where it starts out. So it starts with these kind of simple things that as adults, we look back and we're like, why would I even react to that? But we have to look at it from a child's perspective. So uh, that's the locus of uh, external locus evaluation is when we when we use the uh, the body of someone else to evaluate ourselves instead of looking within ourselves having an internal locus of evaluation using ourselves as the benchmark we use uh, an external locus an external body as a benchmark to uh, judge ourselves. Uh, so we are. Uh, so that this is where the core wounding is uh, is starting to be built when we are in these formative years, um, and really, you know, these formative years, there is little to divide the conscious and the subconscious. So when we become adults we have to work really hard to change things in our subconscious. We have to use hypnosis. We have to use uh, psychotherapy. We have to use uh, different practices and so forth. When you're a kid, it goes straight in there. So if I think I'm not good enough, oh, it's straight in there in the subconscious. And then when the 
conscious and the subconscious starts dividing, guess what? That now sits in this uh, subconscious and it's really difficult for us to extract that and create a new belief system. Um, so it's the, uh, then when it continues, well, we kind of, and this is in the perpetuation of it too, but when we are perceiving or we have similar experiences going, uh, leading on from that point of spilling that cup of, uh, cup of juice, and we have similar experiences that hold elements that are similar to that uh, original one that would trigger I'm not good enough or would trigger I need to be perfect uh, for anybody to love me, then that will, when we encounter those similar experiences we'll, and we use the same perception, that will only validate the original experience. So it, it enforces the truth that we've uh, uh, thought the first time. I'm not good enough. I need to be perfect, whatever it may be. And it is the belief about oneself at the point of having the experience the first time. That is the basis for it. That's why uh, we always have to go back to the what we call the original sensitizing event and heal that. Once we heal that, then we heal all the consecutive uh, experiences beyond that. So you can see how these create, as they will follow us on, on and we often refer to these experiences or repeat experiences as karma. Uh, and when we have these repeat experiences, they create blockages because now we're preventing ourselves from seeing ourselves in a different light than I'm not good enough, right? So the, 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 the perception of oneself as I'm not good enough becomes the blockage, both energetically and uh, mentally. So looking at the perpetuation, what actually keeps this belief system going uh, is predominantly that we, we have a cognitive bias that what we believe is what we believe. And if it's in the subconscious, the mind doesn't actually know what's good and bad for us. It just knows what we've told it is good and bad for us. So our brain is just following our command. But unfortunately, when we, when we work from our core wounding, then we kind of allow the brain or the mind to take control and be in command. And that's when we, we really go, uh, we kind of set ourselves up in a, in a uh, programming that is going to be throwing up limitations and blockages for us. So it is, again, it's uh, having similar experiences that evoke the link to the core wound or the original sensitizing event that is validating the original perception that validates our first experience, our first thought with this experience. Uh, again, talking about karma here, it's the repeating of it become, uh, validates that experience. And it's when we create these habits and patterns, 
they do so when we create or when we gain knowledge whether that knowledge is quote unquote good or quote unquote bad doesn't matter it's when we have the knowledge and we repeat that knowledge i.e validating it so when you start brushing your teeth the first time when you're a little kid you're going to have to really think about how you brush your teeth and you're really kind of focusing on brushing your teeth well and so forth and then you do that day after day after day twice a day and uh, and you just kind of create it into a habit now as an adult when you brush your teeth you don't really think about it you just brush your teeth and because now it's a pattern it's a subconscious pattern you just set the intention i'm going to brush my teeth and you don't even have to think about putting toothpaste on toothbrush and how you brush your teeth you just do it and you're done right the body or the mind or the subconscious does this in order for us to limit the amount of stuff we have to keep in our uh, attention and our consciousness so it's a uh, it's a, an efficiency that we create unfortunately we have these core woundings that slip into this efficiency because the, the mind doesn't know the difference between you brushing your teeth and uh, you telling yourself, I'm not good enough. Uh, it treats it exactly the same. So if you tell the brain often enough uh, that you're not good enough, it has no choice but to believe you. Now, that's then going to feed back to you that message which you have implanted. Um, and that then becomes the blockage. And that stops you from then uh, progressing and going ahead. Uh, so, uh, and looking at, again, the conscious mind, the belief system we hold becomes part of our blind spots. And oftentimes, it's, this is where it's really helpful working with a psychotherapist or a coach or a mentor or someone who can point out to you, well, have you thought about this? Well, what about this, right? So pointing out what's in your blind spot and giving us tools that we can then work and practice and so forth to help us uh, work through the uh, blockages that we hold within. Uh, and I think one of the big things here is what per per perpetuates the blockages is that we're not learning the lesson. We're not learning what this experience meant to us. So the longer we wait, the further away from the original sensitizing event we get, the, the less likely we are to uh, see it and understand it. And this is where, and we'll talk about this as we're looking at the identifiers, but when we have the opportunities, to discover these original sensitizing events or core wounding, we should really grab them by the horns and work with it because it is an opportunity to go in there and learn the lesson, why, how we react to things and how we, um, how we can use that to uh, evolve as a human being and learning that lesson. When we look, when we use our past experiences based on how we perceived it, uh, them, 
if we perceive them with uh, kind of that idea of victimhood, that I'm not good enough, etc., then that will be used for a few future expectations. And this is where the blockages really come into play. If I have the perception from my past that I'm not good enough, how am I then going to look into the future and have the expectation to, uh, to you know, be great? I won't because it's incongruent. It doesn't match the past experience that I've validated so many times uh, over the years. So it takes a conscious choice to say, I disagree with the perception that I had about myself. I am enough in order to look at the future and say, I can become great. I can be great. Or I am great, whichever it may be. But we, in order to break that uh, cycle, we need to consciously go in and shift the pattern. We need to shift the experience. So now looking at the identification of blockages. And so it really comes down to asking a lot of questions. So what is it that is holding us back? What in my life is holding me back? Am I stuck in a rut? What occupies my mind? So when, when I'm having one of my you know, 60 or 70,000 thoughts that I have a day, 90% of which are the same thoughts as I had yesterday, what is occupying my mind? Right, And a lot of times when we start looking at this, we're going to see patterns. And it is, a lot of times it's quite uncomfortable because now you're looking into a lot of things that you've created yourself over the years and suddenly you're going to kind of look at this as, how can I now shift this into a different belief system? But I think uh, hypnosis in general, I'm uh, soon to be fin fin finished with my hypnosis, hypnosis uh, hypnotherapy uh, certification as well. But uh, hypnosis, if you're using uh, regression therapy, for example, uh, is a really useful tool to quickly be able to go and identify uh, different times in your life where you created these core woundings. So absolutely, uh, it's a good way to go about it. And the, uh, so we're, we're looking at what, what we have in our life at the moment will always reveal where we come from. So looking at, you know, as a vision, like Yanni talks about the rules, the bullshit rules, or the BS belief systems that we have. So making a list, you know, what do I believe about people in general? Okay, so what are my beliefs about heavier people, about skinny people, about uh, blonde people, about dark-haired people? You know, list all these things that, you might end up having some level, level of judgment about 
and it doesn't need to be, you know, uh, you know, malevolent in any way. Uh, it's just the kind of first thing that pops into our heads. Uh, or, you know, if someone cuts you off when you are driving, what's the first thought that comes into my mind? That's my judgment, right? So understanding what occupies my mind and is the immediate reaction thought that comes in when I encounter different people, different situations, and so forth. That will then lead us to understand what's blocking us. Because uh, in my practice, I use, and you guys will have heard this before as well, I use four, uh, four tenets when I look at any experience, and it's compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. If I don't practice those four in tandem when I encounter something, so say, for example, I encounter not, not necessarily that this is going to be true, uh, but if I see someone who's uh, homeless, perhaps, if I don't feel compassion towards the, their experience. I don't have to have compassion for how they, for the, for what they are, but how they ended up there, what they have experienced that have led them to that place or accept that they have their journey and accepting my interaction with uh, their experience, so to speak. And if I have had any kind of judgment around their experience that I forgive myself for it and that I then can take that forward uh, that experience of my own judgment to learn about myself then I can uh, so when we're looking at all of these experiences we have with people and with life in general we can then use these four tenants to see how we can shift the experiences into something that is going to be beneficial for us and put us into a state of flow. Now, judgment is one of those things that is a blockage, right? It's a mental blockage that will prevent us from having empathy with another. And empathy is where we we recognize the emotion or the idea within someone else. Don't necessarily need to agree with it, but at least we can recognize it and we can hold space for that. We don't need to judge it. We just hold space for it. We can look at physical indication. And with that, I mean, when we have emotions that we suppress, we tend to hold them in physical locations. So, for example, anger tends to reside in the right hip area. Uh, so, if you have, uh, if you suffer from sciatica, for example, it's oftentimes likely that you hold anger for some reason and you've suppressed it. Uh, so, when I started, and you guys have heard this before as well, when I started meditating on a daily basis, it took me two weeks, and then I had resolved my 15-year agony with sciatica. 
because I released all the anger. There was nothing left to hold. And then you can look at, you know, if you're uh, having problems with migraines and uh, tension in your neck, perhaps you're carrying the burden of someone else. Now, what does that block you from doing? So look at different sensations you have in your body and what they might correspond to uh, in terms of your belief system and what what does that belief system hold you back from experiencing? What does it block you from doing? Um, chords. We've talked about chords previously on the on uh, in these groups, and uh, if we have and essentially, in order to have a chord attached to us, there needs to be an element of what that chord is attaching to, uh, and kind of. Uh, perpetuating in order for us to have that chord at, uh, at all. Uh, so, for example, it might be that we have a chord with someone that is triggering us uh, on that we feel they're selfish. Perhaps there's an element within ourselves that think that we're being selfish ourselves or we've experienced ourselves being selfish and we haven't resolved that within ourselves, then that cord can attach to that element of selfishness within ourselves. And being able to go in and observe that and see that those cords exist, uh, we can then go to the root of it and say, this is something I need to heal. And then we can heal that. So perhaps that, uh, having holding that experience of selfishness and not having released that in terms of compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude, uh, we are prevented from showing empathy towards someone who's acting selfishly. Because obviously that person has experienced something in their life that is causing them to uh, react in that manner to the external experience. Perhaps they've... Uh, had problem with security. And so to them, the only way they can protect themselves is by being selfish and making sure that they hold on to as much as possible. And we can, of course, triggers, um, as you have heard before, you know, don't waste a good trigger. Triggers are always there to show you the way to your core wounding. It's beautiful. Every time you get triggered, say thank you and see the opportunities that you have now available to you to go and find out where that, uh, where that uh, started or where the original sensitizing event. So we have a question here. What is core wounding? Core wounding is the, the experiences, the trauma, traumatic experiences that you've had as a child, typically, uh, or it could be a major trauma you've had later in your life uh, that becomes part of your, the, the, your core wounding, which is then where you react from. So perhaps uh, say you were... Uh, victim of uh, a 
there was a terrorist act in a vicinity that you were in and say it was an airport or something like that. So now every time you go to an airport, you are going to have a body reaction. You're going to have a mental reaction. So you're blocked from being in flow in that, uh, that kind of physical location, right? So uh, the core wounding is then your reaction. It's a, it's, an, uh, it's a reaction that is outside of the ordinary in terms of that, uh, that kind of experience. Um, so we can take something a little less dramatic, but use the uh, example of spilling the juice um, when you're a kid and your parents saying, why do you always have to be so clumsy? Now you have this idea that you are not enough. Now you grow up in, uh, in life and every time that you feel that you're not enough, you get a sense of anxiety. You get, and you don't understand why, but every time the experience shows up that you're, you feel in your subconscious that you're not enough, you become anxious. Now that is, and you react from that anxiety. So perhaps you lash out or perhaps you become withdrawn, whatever that reaction is, you're reacting from your core wounding. Does that make sense? Yeah, and just hearing someone's voice can uh, trigger that core wounding, can trigger uh, that uh, reaction. So being able to look at those triggers within yourself as opposed to uh, using it as a defense mechanism, use it as a tool for you to see where uh, the original sensitizing event came from. And if we don't release or relieve ourselves from this core wounding, it is going to block us from being in flow. Because if we have to be triggered and react every time our core wounding is tickled, as it were, then we are taking ourselves out of flow and we are resisting. We're resisting the experience of life. We're resisting... uh, just flowing with it. That doesn't mean that we have to suddenly accept everything that happens around. Well, we accept it, but that we don't react to things around us, but it's how we react. And if we react without being in control, so not being in control of our words, our thoughts, our actions, then we are reacting from our core wounding. And that then takes us out of flow and brings our frequency down, we become, go into perhaps, perhaps we lash out and we feel guilty for lashing out. Then our frequency is going to sink down to that level. And we want, in order to be in flow, or when we are in flow, our frequency is much higher and we feel that we are, uh, we are being fulfilled in our lives. And of course you can have, uh, joyful triggers as well, you know, music, smells, tastes, whatever it may be. Um, So the triggers can work both ways. But the danger there is if the only way you can be happy is if you can be triggered 
to, uh, for example, having to smell a perfume that you have a connection with in your past, and that's the only way you're going to be happy, then you're attached to uh, your past experiences or your nostalgia. And that then also becomes resistance. That becomes a blockages, a blockage uh, for you to be in flow because you're constantly having to use past experiences to validate your, your current, uh, your present. Um, so are we stuck in a rut? Uh, are we stuck in a spiral? So always look at, you know, if, uh, you know, if I'm keep trying to do things the same way without different results, and I'm just going around in a circle and I'm stuck in a rut and I'm not getting anywhere, looking at what, why is that? So personally, I've struggled with pro procrastination a lot. And it is one of those things. You sit down and you say, okay, what, what is it about me that, why am I procrastinating? Why do I find it hard to move on with these things? Why do I push these things off to the last minute? And oftentimes, you know, things that I don't like doing. But then when you sit down, you start saying, well, Okay, so if I shift my perception about this and tell my brain that, you know what, it's not that bad and it's not that difficult and I'll actually feel really good when I'm done with it, I can start telling my brain to shift its, how it treats the data or the perception or the uh, sensory perception that comes in. Because basically the, the data that goes in is ones and zeros, whether it comes through your seeing, your hearing, your taste, your smell, whatever it is, it is then your perception of it that will determine if you're going to have a uh, pleasant experience with it, neutral or bad experience. Now, if we can allow ourselves to at least have a neutral experience, and uh, in Buddhism, they often talk about that you perceive everything from a neutral point of view and just observe it, then that you will have the fulfillment of life through that. Uh, now, whether you believe in that or not, I leave up to you. But just knowing that you have the power and you have the choice to have to uh, make that uh, choice within yourself. That's the important part here, that you can decide how you perceive something. So some people might love chewing into lemon, love the sourness of it, refreshing, it's beautiful, it's uh, flavorful, it's even got that uh, bit of sweetness in it, even though it's sour. Some other people would find that abhorrent, right? But it's just in the perception. The taste is still the same. It doesn't change. It's how we've told our brain that we want to react to that experience. And that's the same thing with 
these different experiences we have as children, when we become adults, we can still go back and we can change our perception about these things and then release those blockages that we've created uh, when we uh, grow up. And examining our own relationships with people and experiences, I've talked about this already, but am I allowing myself to flow through these experiences or these relationships, or am I in a state of uh, kind of resistance? So looking at our experiences in terms of our relationships will reveal how we show up in those situations as well. And when I teach my psychometry classes and so forth, I do talk about this a lot. And it's it's not about winning or losing. It is about learning about yourself. It's learning about how you show up in these different situations and how you react to them. And then you can determine for yourself if that is the, the, the way you show up, if that is what you want to show up as. You know, if you feel it's right that you should react in a manner that perhaps angry, angry manner at someone, if they violate your boundaries, then that's fine. But does it take you out of flow? Does it lower your frequency? Does it make you feel good? Perhaps do you feel a little bit guilty afterwards? Well, then perhaps there's a different, you know, is there a different way of approaching it? So even if my boundaries are violated, is there a different way I can approach my boundaries being violated? Perhaps I can tell the person who's violated my boundaries that, it's, I don't accept that, and that's it. You're not responsible for the other person. But now you're creating an environment in, within yourself that is not taking you out of flow because you're still maintaining your high frequency. You've expressed how you feel about it in a calm and collected manner, and you're not, uh, you haven't disturbed your equilibrium. And you can move on. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's, you don't feel guilty that you didn't say anything. You don't feel guilty that you overreacted. You just flow on, right? So it's looking at all these things will help us to identify those blockages. And when we talk about the block, energetic blockages, uh, this is very much Eastern uh, medicine and Eastern philosophies. So, you know, it's, uh, it's down to your own belief system. But if we're looking at, you know, if I feel that I'm not enough, then my security or my, uh, my position in the community is going to be threatened. If that is part of my belief system, that is going to reside in my energetic system too. Uh, and it's important for us to, in order to have flow, we have to allow that energy to be able to flow through us. So if the energetic, uh, subtle energy body and the mental body 
bodies are uh, well all the bodies are linked together but they cross over very much because it kind of is the energy body mental body and then the physical body uh, so if we have a deep-rooted belief system and a blockage in our energy that is then going to show up in our mental uh, body so if we have this uh, blockage in our uh, uh, secure or feeling secure in the community or uh, knowing who we are in our family for example or feeling secure in our family then we're going to have that blockage in the lower energy system now that's going to show up in our mental as the thought process or the thought reaction i'm not enough i don't belong i'm unsecure of who i am um, and so forth and so forth. And that can then show up as a physical ailment like ulcers, because now it, every time that uh, blockage is being uh, kind of triggered or uh, shows up in life, I get nervous, I get anxious. And that will then trigger the stress response within my body and then i will have uh, experiences like uh, stomach problems and so forth and perhaps that then shows up as ulcers at, at a later point so you have the kind of shows up in the energetic and then the mental and then the physical now if it comes to the physical that's kind of like the body saying, okay, well, you're not paying attention to your energy body and you're not paying attention to your mental body. If it shows up in your physical body, it's a good indication that you need to do something about it because it's been there for a long time. So if it shows up in your, in your physical body, sit with it and listen to your body and just observe if you're in meditation, for example, observe that sensation within your body. If there's a pain or there's, you know, a, a tightness or something, just sit with it and allow it to uh, reveal itself to you. Once you release that, then often and oftentimes, you know, if you go to like a massage therapist or something like that, they release these knots, right, in your muscles and your uh, around your body and those knots are blockages it's the same thing and if you go to an acupuncturist it's the same thing they are going to put needles in different spots where there are blockages there's a number of different ways of releasing these blockages but the important aspect here and this is why i described the energy body the mental body and the physical body so even if you only use that as a visualization and it's not part of your belief system at least use it as part of your kind of how you visualize it because the energy body is the kind of the uh, identifying the the root of it the the basic problem or the chat uh, the basic uh, belief system and the mental body then shows where the blockage is manifesting uh, in your mental process.
And if it happens to come up to the physical body, that is then the physical manifestation of that belief system that you hold within yourself. If, uh, if you're going to release a blockage, it needs to be released all the way down from where it took root to begin with. So we can go to uh, Reiki healing done, or we can uh, go to acupuncture or whatever. If, but if we don't release the patterns that we created because of these blockages or these core woundings or original sensitizing events, it's just going to keep coming back because we are going to create continue to perpetuate the experience and that is then going to go back down and reestablish itself so we need to clear it out on every single level in order to release it so we clear the core wounding of it we, we heal the original trauma or the original sensitizing event to clear out the energy body or the energy system uh, we remove cords that may be attaching to it so that we can, once we release the, the uh, energy within ourselves, those cords can never reform because there's nothing for them to attach to. One thing that we often forget is that we can choose our thoughts. Now, when we are in the midst of working with these challenges, it's really, really difficult to choose our thoughts because the thoughts come so quick. And a lot of people believe that you can't choose your thoughts because, because the, they come so quick, right? But if you at least can catch the thought when it happens, and then you can decide, hmm, that's an interesting thought. I recognize that as being part of my uh, core wounding or tra trauma in my uh, in my childhood. Well, how do I feel about that? And you start thinking, th start being inquisitive about it. Then you can start changing it because what you want to do is to shift that thought process. You may not be able to control the thought that immediately comes into your mind, but you can then change the programming that causes that thought to happen. So when you have the automatic thought in the future, it is going to be one that is em empathetic. It's going to be one that is uh, caring. It's one that is going to be encouraging, whatever it may be, rather than disparaging and uh, uh, self-deprecating or uh, unempathetic. Unemp um, uh, so that is how we can control our thoughts is by creating an environment where the thoughts we want to have automatically happen. So that's how we're going to control it. But knowing that we have the opportunity and the possibility to do that, that's a huge step for a lot of people because a lot of people don't feel that we can do that. But if you experience it once, then you'll know that you can do that for all your thoughts, all your experiences. <laughs> And the big thing is, of course, do things differently. If you feel that you're stuck in a rut or you're stuck in a uh, spiral or you just keep doing things the same way and it's not, you don't see any different outcome, 
Try changing it. How can I do things differently? If you do things differently and they don't work, then at least you tried. Then try another way. And look at every opportunity as, all right, well, or every experience as an opportunity of learning something new about yourself. So they're not failures by any means. They're just new opportunities for you to learn about yourself. Learn how you show up in different aspects of life. So showing up and doing things differently is one of the key aspects here. Make sure that we figure out what is controlling us, what is our belief systems, what is it that we would like to change, and what, what is it that has caused us to react like we do to begin with? What is the core wounding? And start healing the core, core wounding to begin with. And once we do that, that will then start to shift things across all aspects in our lives. And can we, if we now can look at any experience with compassion for ourselves and others, acceptance of ourselves and others, forgiveness for ourselves and others, then we can have gratitude for all our experiences because they have shown up in your life to teach you something about yourself. And you can take that piece of learning and make that into wisdom within your life. And you will move out of any idea of you being less than anything, anyone else. Or whatever the, uh, the, the block that you have might be. Does the not in a specific place in body represent certain emotional blockages? In my experience, yes. Uh, and I think you will find in Eastern medicine or Eastern philosophy uh, that they do. So I find that, for example, anger resides in your hip. Uh, guilt and shame tends to be like in your left side of your abdomen, predominantly in your pancreas, for example. Um, uh, carrying the, if you're uh, holding the uh, responsibility of others. Uh, so, for example, and this is very common among parents, uh, myself included, uh, you know, our children are having problems or challenges, and we take those worries on as our own. Uh, oftentimes we have uh, neck problems or we have tension in our necks or shoulders. Uh, so this is where we carry the burden of others on our shoulders. That's where it comes from. If you've, uh, if you feel that, uh, or you don't have enough love in your life, or perhaps you've experienced love and lost it, you've ha had heartbreak, uh, then oftentimes you will ex have challenges in your cardiovascular or your heart and your lungs, uh, so across your chest area, and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, problems with your muscles across, across the chest area. So, yeah, that, absolutely. I, in my experience, I find that. But that's uh, 
not something that is uh, scientifically proven and I'm not a doctor, so I shan't claim that uh, these are hard and fast <laughs> rules by any means. Uh, do these characteristics we see in others, are they the ones that we ourselves need to fix within us? In my experience, in order for something to trigger you, an element of what triggers you needs to exist within you, unhealed, an unhealed element of that exists within you. It could be a minute part of it, but it could be enough that the trigger then triggers a response within you. Because if it didn't exist within you, there would be nothing for it to attach to, and there would be nothing to trigger you. So something that uh, for me is triggering is when my children ignore me, for example. Uh, so I have an element of uh, abandonment within myself, and it's something I, I'm well aware of. Uh, and it's something that, you know, is going to take me a while to work through because I've been working on it for a long time already. But because of, and I know that, you know, that is, so when they ignore me, really, there shouldn't be anything that should trigger me or that, that why should that trigger me? You know, they choose to do something different, whereas I want them to do something else. Do, is there another way I can approach it? And this is how I work with my own process. And trust me, I, it's become a lot easier over the years. And it's, it's just an understanding what, if I get angry about something, what is it that is so important about it for me to put myself out of balance? Is it really so important for me to put myself out of balance? Because every time I put myself out of balance, and it is a choice. Ang for example, anger is a choice. If you become angry and you react angrily, it is a choice because you have a control over your thoughts, your words, your actions. So you have the choice when the anger comes up, when you're observing it, and it, it is a split second. So it's, it's a practice that we can do uh, to observe our own emotions. But when the anger comes up and you have a conscious thought about it, I have anger coming up. How am I going to react to it? How am I going to communicate this anger out in the pub or in the world? Because essentially that's what it wants you to do. It wants you to communicate it. Once you've communicated it, you can release. So this is something I work with myself on is to constantly observe myself, how I react or how... Uh, what emotions come up and what my what my typical reaction would be to that emotion coming up previously it may have been yelling it used to take or the, it would take me a long time to get angry about something but when I got angry about something I got really angry um, and so now rather than even I don't even need to get there because when that anger comes up, I just communicate it. 
by communicating in a calm manner. This makes me angry uh, because this and this and this. And it's, it's all within me. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's all within me, right? And it's, if I allow that to put me out of balance, it blocks me from being in flow. And that's the blockage. What about uh, tensity in our, uh, in our stomach? How can this? Yes, that is uh, one that I deal with a lot too. Uh, when I was a kid, I would be in the doctor's or the school nurse's office probably once a week because of stomach pain. Um, and I think what I've come to realize is that we also take on a lot of energies from others. Um, so this, if we have, if we don't, if we don't hold boundaries, healthy boundaries, and I'm not talking about you know boundaries that cross my boundaries and this they'll be held to pay. I'm talking about boundaries, knowing what energy comes in and what that, that engages with you. Um, and a lot of times, if you get out of balance and you have a tendency for anxiety, for example, that will cause a stress response. And that stress response will then uh, make blood flow out to the muscles and takes away from your stomach. So you feel that tightness in your stomach. So the the stress response or the uh, tightness in the stomach is a physiological uh, reaction to the uh, stress response. Um, so if you are suffering from anxiety, for example, then oftentimes that uh, may be the case. And I know that was certainly the, the case for me. Um, and I know there's some wonderful breathing exercises and stuff you can use um, Personally, in my experience, and again, I'm not a doctor, but what I use is uh, to always focus on breathing through my nose and from my stomach. And if I feel that tightness in my stomach, I breathe in and I expand my stomach. And it'll feel quite uncomfortable to begin with, but then I, I just release uh, on the exhale, I just do a big exhale and then a big inhale and expand my stomach again and then usually a first on. Uh, so yeah, that will certainly be uh, one of those uh, blockages that happens and you can quite easily release that. But of course, if you have tightness, tightness in your stomach and uh, it's more of a physiological problem, uh, please do and go see a, see a doctor about it too. If there is anybody out in the world who doesn't have any childhood traumas, um, no, I think that would be quite the impossibility because even if, if a child grew up in a vacuum, they would have the trauma of not, not being connected. Uh, when you introduce other humans into someone's world, there will be different perceptions of our own experiences. And if someone disagrees with our experience, then we will perhaps look at that disagreement as 
something. And so, yeah, there, there's all, always going to be some level of trauma at some point in, in our lives. It is then how we perceive that trauma and how we use that trauma in our lives that will uh, help us live in uh, flow or to create blockages uh, from that trauma. And it's our choice. It's our, how we perceive it. That is going to be the determining factor for if we stay in flow or we create a blockage. While post-traumatic stress disorder is a mental condition, and there's so many different elements to uh, PTSD, um, you can literally uh, have PTSD stored in your body, for example. So if there is uh, an experience you're having that mimics part of uh, the, the, the trauma, you could, for example, your eye could start twitching or your hand could start shaking uh, without you even having a mental experience around it or an emotional experience around it it becomes a purely physiological um, reaction. Uh, so it's uh, PTSD is very complex uh, a lot of times, and it can show up in the most, the strangest ways that you can ever imagine. So, um, and it's, uh, it is one of those things that as, as a therapist, you, you gotta be uh, uh, well, well-trained to uh, deal with PTSD because there's so many elements to it. How do I stop myself from taking responsibility of other people's trauma response? I feel I absorb their pain. Um, and that would be uh, boundaries. Uh, and the boundary there, I would say, is uh, acceptance. So oftentimes, especially if you have a family member, for example, who's in pain, we do anything to have that person not be in pain. But at the end of the day, it's not our pain and we have to accept that everybody else around us had their own journeys, as well as we have to accept that we have our own journey that is different from everybody else's journey. So once we're able to accept that, and I mean, I have the same journey with my children. You know, I have an 11-year-old and a 15-year-old, both girls. Um, and of course, there's a lot of, I mean, pain is inevitable. Life is full of pain. But it's the suffering that's optional. So when I see my children suffer, I, the first, my first reaction is, how can I help them remove the pain? How can I help them remove uh, whatever is uh, painful to them? But I then, as a second, uh, secondarily after that, I always try to go into the thinking, okay, how can I accept that they have their pain? And how can I help them shift the suffering? So it's not the pain I need to help them get rid of, it's the suffering. 
because the suffering is the perception of the pain. The suffering becomes the blockage. The uh, suffering becomes the, uh, the trauma. So how can I help them shift that? And that's something. So holding empathy hold, or being em empathetic and holding space for someone without wallowing in their suffering can then help them relieve, relieve their suffering. The pain is going to be there because pain is inevitable. But if we, if we can help them shift the suffering, then that is uh, then then you've had a concrete uh, shift in their perception of their pain, and they can actually use that pain as a building block as opposed to a stumbling block, as the uh, quote in the beginning. Uh, yeah, don't let your mental blocks control you. Set yourself free, confront your fear, and turn the mental blocks into building blocks. Remember that? So we're looking at how we can use the pain to be grateful for something, how we can grow from our pain as opposed to suffer from it. And in that, relating to your question there, you know, how stopping yourself from taking on other people's pain. Uh, I think the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jeffrey Allen, if you're on Mind Valley, do his uh, duality quest. And uh, there he talks about taking responsibility for your own energy. So you allow yourself to have full control of your own energy, what you hold within your energy. And you allow everybody else outside to be in, in control of this. So you don't worry about anything that goes on on the outside, right? And accepting that anybody showing up in your experiences, however they react and however they show up, is their responsibility. It has nothing to do with you. So if, you, if they're triggered by you, then that's their responsibility. It's their responsibility to turn around and say, hmm, interesting. I feel triggered by this person. I wonder why that is. What is it that I've experienced in my life that causes me to be triggered by this person? So if you, uh, so you take Rex Sykes, for example, who's a, a famous uh, NLP practitioner in, in America. <clears throat> you know, he's kind of the originator of the uh, lofty questions. Um, so you can ask yourself, how would it feel if I knew what it was that caused my blockages? Now, the brain is interesting this way because the brain doesn't like loose ends. If we know how our brains work, then we can trick it to work in our favor, right? So if we open, ask an open-ended question like that, your brain is going to scramble to tie, tie up those loose ends. So in this case, it's going to try and make sure that you feel, uh, that you get to feel or know what causes your blockages. It's going to search until it finds it or until you're satisfied that it has found it. So you can kind of square it off and store it away. 
So using those kind of types of questions will help you also to find the root cause of these different blockages. And for, you know, in terms of this question, you can say, well, how would it feel if I was able to accept other people's pain without taking it on as my own? And then allow your brain to find the solution for you. But be open to the answers. Be open to the solution. So post-traumatic stress, this is not as, as um, deep or not as, um, like, you know, it's more evident, this um, pain that we're holding. Uh, post-traumatic dis stress disorder yeah. is essentially... It's the next level of trauma, if you like. So you can have trauma that essentially your 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 parent tells you off when you're five years old for spilling that cup of uh, apple juice. That can be a traumatic experience or trauma, right? But then the post-traumatic stress disorder is when the trauma has been so severe that it causes, whenever you're triggered by it, it causes you to not function properly in your life. So there's a differentiation there. That you have to, so they're just labelings of the severity of trauma in that respect. Right. Christopher, I was just thinking, it just popped into my head. It's like, you know, it takes a while for a person to... Uh, make new habits because mm -hmm. they're so, you know, in track with the old ones. So with this, you know, being stuck from being in a flow, you know, it seems like you have to first discover what is it that makes you stuck. And then you have to like fashion a different way of thinking in order for you to, you know, uh, form a new belief uh, so that you, it, so you can function, you know, in 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 um, like in a flow with your beliefs and in, in flow with your new situation. That is my experience. Yes, um, yeah. I don't personally. I don't believe in half measures. Uh, I don't believe in the the easy fixes because they they work in the short term, but if you don't sort out the fundamental challenge or the the what's causing the blockage to begin with then the blockage is just going to return so if we if we are to create sustainable uh, change then we need to work with what is actually causing the problem to begin with and i mean th this is where i feel western medicine is got it wrong because we tend to treat the symptoms but then we ignore the where the symptoms come from why the symptoms appeared to begin with so we give some pills and oh i feel much better now great but then it comes right, back you know good what if it what if it's just really emotional and what i've read is that you cannot really put some of the like emotions into words when you're a child so when you grow up, you're not quite sure where is this coming from. Like, Absolutely. is that it? Absolutely. And it is very challenging. The challenge is predominantly, A, yes, 
you don't as a child you don't have a a label for the emotion because your emotional intelligence is not yet developed and unfortunately most adults don't have emotional intelligence that is that developed yeah. because you know by and large most people know kind of three emotions it's happy sad and pissed off they don't know the full range of beautiful emotions out there because we're told as children that emotions are bad you know don't be so sensitive stop crying what are you crying about you know pucker up exactly you know, be strong my experience exactly <laughs> exactly so why on earth would we grow up as uh, healthy emotional beings when we're told that emotions are bad you know whereas emotions in themselves are not dangerous they're not bad they're they are there to communicate something within ourselves it's a it's the way for the body and your or your different bodies to communicate with you so if you have sadness coming up it's rather than trying to push it away or push it down and say oh interesting i have sadness coming up why is that now you're taking an interest you're acknowledging it and that now the sadness can actually communicate to you what it is that you wants to say and then you can then communicate that out into the world if you need to and then it releases and then it's gone now but, this sadness might come from your core wounding so it might come over and over again so this is where when an emotion comes up it's important to understand or to ask the question where do you come from where, so, where do you, know, you originate from so i was wondering if like a duality quest would help or like reading some books like people read uh like fiction in order to like ex- you know that's exactly why they have books in fiction to see the emotional you know re- re- uh wordings of the authors when they present those so it would help you as an adult to like possibly get in touch with your emotions and why well, we identify with yeah with movies and certain scenes where yeah. we get so excited or sad or whatever and then you would you it would it would be good to say why am i doing that why, what triggers me why am i triggered mm-hmm. by this situation yeah exactly exactly I, i was also trying to help my my daughter the other day because like the children were like upset at each other like they were playing and i'm like and she was like she didn't want to pay attention to it she just told them deal with it and i said wait a minute take time find out what is it that what kind of emotions they have and how can you help them you know to explain to them what they're feeling you know to express it in words or thoughts and you know i try to help her oh that's beautiful and i think yeah every moment we have that and i think when you connect on that level and someone responds to that you feel within yourself that oh my god i i made the change here you know it really feels that connectedness but the i think if you look at when you sit down and you ask the question and this i go back to what i said before the brain doesn't like open or loose ends right so if you have a trigger and you ask when Uh, so well let's break down triggers real quick so the trigger 
is a or it triggers something that is related to your survival ultimately because that when we are children the only thing we have to concern ourselves is our survival what do i need to in order to survive in this environment i'm in so a trigger is always founded in fear and it's the ultimately it comes down to fear of not surviving so whatever happened when you were a child it relates to not being able to survive so if take again the cup of apple juice that was spilled and the parent that goes why do you always have to be clumsy now i'm thinking in order to satisfy my position in family in the family i have to be perfect otherwise i won't be loved and if i won't be loved i won't be part of this family and they will shun me they will cast me out and if they do that then i will die because i can't survive on my own i rely on the people around me and my community my family in order to survive so when we ask the question when did i experience this fear the first time that is generated by this trigger then the brain can then dig up in our subconscious it may not come immediately it might take a week for the brain to bring back an answer to you but allowing yourself to be open to the answer will then take you back to something that you experienced at some point then you can sit down in meditation and you can go back to that experience and a lot of times as adults we're going to look at that experience being why on earth would that i react that way to it but when you're five years old as opposed to 30 or 40 or 50 your brain is not developed yet you don't have the experiences of an adult so when you go back as an adult it's going back without any judgment about yourself as a as a five-year-old and the experiences that you have about your life and just look at things from that perspective and allow yourself your five-year-old self to express itself because oftentimes that's the problem we don't get to express ourselves so we hold on to this now if that five-year-old had told said daddy you're angry with me does this mean that you don't love me does this mean does it mean if i'm being clumsy does that mean that you don't love me if they had expressed that the parent could have said oh god no of course not and that could have relate relieved it but we didn't express it as the five-year-old so therefore we kept it within ourselves and we made our own assumptions we made our own judgment of it so being able to go back and perhaps allow the five-year-old version of ourselves express fully the experience that can then release part of it right so yes we may not understand the emotion when we're five years old but connecting the adult version of yourself with the child version of yourself can then create a, a foundation for 
you to understand the emotion from the five-year-old's perspective. Does that make sense, Melissa? Yes, it, it, it does now. It, I can see that. Yeah. And it's yeah, really like as you work. say, you know, putting yourself in situations where you get to experience a lot of different emotions, whether they, I mean, fact of the matter is, all those emotions exist within you. The reason you're not experiencing them is because they're being suppressed. So just sitting, allowing yourself to reveal different emotions, you know, not too many at, at the same time, of course, will bring them up. And as soon as you release them and you release or you heal the core core wounding of it, they won't they, they can return, but you're not going to have that same suffering from it. You're going to have a different perspective to it. All right. Very good. I thank you everybody for showing up today and uh for participating. Thank you for all your comments and uh, thank you for your uh, insights and uh, questions. Appreciate it. And I uh, hope that uh, we get to see you all next week. All right. Have a wonderful week ahead and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. So now we can see by shifting our perception from the external world around us to inwards and seeing what patterns, behaviors, uh, habits and so forth that we hold within ourselves and also of course triggers and our view of life in general will help us to be able to shift into uh, understanding those blocks and once we start asking questions around those blocks we can then move into healing the orig uh, original sensitizing event that caused those blocks to begin with challenge with the blocks are, are always that well not always but often that they do exist in our uh, blind spots and uh, those are the times you sit down and you work with a psychotherapist coach mentor or even a really good friend that you uh, have no fear of judgment around and then you can move into seeing where those blocks are and where they come from and uh, resolving them and if you're interested in uh, exploring how we at the Alchem Experience might be able to support you on this journey, please visit us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, uh, schedule a 30-minute free uh, consultation with us to see how we might be able to assist you and to, for you to explore if we are the right place for you to uh, uh, pursue these aspects further within yourself. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and uh, that you will be with us next week on Friday at 11.11 British time uh, when we release the next episode. And uh, we look forward to having you then and seeing you then. For now, take care and have a good time.